We are in Romans chapter 7, and we're going to go through the first 13 verses. We've been calling this series Back to the Basics. Beginning Romans chapter 7, I'm going to read the first three verses, cover about 13 verses tonight. So let's read from Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Paul has been talking about sin, talking about the old man, the new man, the old man that, that has been buried and died. We talked about baptism, the symbolism of baptism, how that we have, we're supposed to die to sin. And tonight we're going to be talking about and exposing some of the weaknesses of the law. We don't live by the law. We live by grace. The law is there for a purpose, and it's not bad, and it's certainly not sinful. It has a purpose for us. It says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. So, Paul is using this example of a woman who is married to a man, and that man has passed away. Here he's saying that she's no longer bound to the law of her husband. Well, what's the law? The law talks about faithfulness to the husband, that if she was to leave him without him passing away, or there were some stipulations where they could there could be a divorce, but if she were to leave him without that happening, then she would be guilty of adultery. And so he's going to use this story uh, as symbolism to talk about the law and how, in this instance, death affects how the law applies. So in other words, this woman, since her husband has died, is able to get married again. It's legal in the law. As, as a Jew, she's allowed to get married again. And Paul's going to use this example to talk about the authority and the dominion of the law, but also that we're not, as Christians now, we're not dominated or under the authority of the law. So here it says that the law has dominion. But what he's talking about is that those who try to keep the law as a means of salvation. So he's talking to Jewish people who have migrated and moved from probably Jerusalem or Israel somewhere to Rome. And he's talking to them about the law. And Paul is telling them that you no longer are saved by the law. You're not bound to that. You're not, that's not your means of salvation. Your means of salvation is grace, the grace of God. Uh, the plan of salvation 
uh, through Jesus Christ. So the law doesn't have dominion over the Christian that's saved by grace. Now, what that doesn't mean, and we've been talking about this for several weeks now, is that, that we should be lawbreakers. Doesn't mean that we should go out and sin and break the law, the uh, law of the Bible or the law of the land. Uh, it doesn't uh, mean that we should be lawbreakers, but that we're ultimately ruled by grace and God's plan of salvation. So as we look at this, and Paul is saying that when you were in sin or not saved by God's grace, then you were under the dominion of the law. But he's saying that death makes a difference in the law. Just like this example that he gave of the woman who was married, but her husband passed away. She's now freed from the law of her old husband and has the freedom to go get married if she wants to. She doesn't have to, but she can. And here Paul is saying that because of death in the law, the obligations and contracts are you know, they, they change. The wife's no longer bound to her husband. If he dies, that ends the contract. She's free from that law. Verse 4, let's read this before we go into an explanation of why. Why is he making this example about the, uh, this husband dying and the woman being free? Verse 4 says, Therefore, my brother, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So what's he talking about there? Talking about Jesus, right. Uh, talking about because of Christ's death on the cross, and last week we talked about our death with Christ to sin and to the old man who's died, then there is a change in the way that we should live. And we don't live by the law, but we live by God's grace, and we live by a new covenant. Christ has died. We have died with him because we identify. That's what happens when you get baptized, by the way, you identify with Christ. And you're saying, just like he died and was risen again, we're going to die to our old man and we're going to rise again. And Paul is now saying, here's how the story comes together. Just like the woman who her husband died, now she's free to marry another because of Christ's death and our death to the old man, then we are free to marry Christ. So we become one with him, right? Uh, so there's symbolism that he's using here uh, so that we can kind of understand we have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. So we were in Romans, the first part of Romans chapter 3, uh, chapter 6, I should say, verses 3 through 8 there. And Paul was explaining that we died with Christ and we rose with him. But in that chapter, all he talked about was our death to sin. Now he's saying that we've also died to the law. So we have died to sin, but now he's bringing into our understanding that we've also died to the law. That doesn't mean that 
We should be, as I said before, to become lawbreakers, but what that means is that our relationship with God through Christ has changed everything. Christ, what he did has changed everything for us. Uh, and so now he's explaining that we've also died to the law. We're saved by grace, but some people think that we're saved by grace, but we have to live by the law. The Jews were really guilty of this. You remember when they had the council, if you, if you look in the book of Acts, you see there's a council of the church. They're really upset because Gentiles have come into the church and they're not following all the laws of the Jews. And so there's a council. They finally come to the conclusion that those Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. That's the, the, the real sticking point was with the Jews because that's how they identify themselves as Jews is that the males are circumcised. And so uh, we see that Paul's saying, don't get mixed up. You're saved by grace, but you don't have to follow the law. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to follow the traditions and customs of the Jews. Doesn't mean you should live evilly, but that means that you, you're, you don't have to do that. And, and especially when it comes to our right standing with God, it's not because we've kept the law. It's because of what Christ has done and we have identified with him. You and I are not made righteous because we kept the, keep the law, but we're made righteous because we have believed upon Christ. No, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what we're saying here, that we're, we're to be lawbreakers, but that there's a covenant change. The Jews were uh, bound to the law, identified with the law. That's, their, that's how God said he would save them. But now as Christians, while the law is still important and it has a purpose, we're bound to God through Christ by grace. We're saved through faith. So that we can be married to Jesus. So what's happened is there had to be a death, death to the law for us in order for us to have the freedom to marry Christ. How many of those in the Bible talks about the body of Christ being married? We're the bride, right? Uh, and that in heaven there's a marriage supper of the Lamb. You know what that is? It is a celebration of the wedding that is happening in heaven uh, for the bride of Christ, which is the church, and Jesus. We're free now to be connected with Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, we're married to another, which is Christ, so that we can bear fruit to God. And for the Christian, the fruit that we bear is not because of keeping the law, but because of our relationship with Christ. So he's trying try to bring everything together for us to understand uh, what he's saying. Now, in this, he is bringing to light the weakness of the law to save. We kind of talked about that a little bit. It's not through the law that we're saved, uh, but through the grace of, of God. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. 
What's he saying? When you were a sinner, you acted like a sinner. It always tickles me that Christians get so upset that sinners act like sinners. What do we really expect them to act like? I mean, it's, it's the truth. They're sinners. That's the, the vein that they're living in. I don't want them to live that way, but I understand that they will because they're bound to that way of life, the sin. Do I want them to live better? Do I want them to get saved? Yes. Do I understand when they sin? Yeah, because they're sinners. And so he said, that's what Paul is saying here, is that when we were in the flesh, when we were in the flesh, because you used to be a sinner, right? You're no longer a sinner. You are a child of God, right? We are uh, one with Christ. We are saved. So when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions work, work within our members. Last week we talked about members. That's talking about parts of our body, what, our makeup. Last week we talked about that uh, we don't want to allow the members of our body to be used for evil. Don't let your eyes dwell and look upon things that would tempt you and cause you to lust and cause you to sin. Don't, don't listen to things that will cause you to go down a path of sin. You know, all those things. Don't let your hands be used for evil. All those uh, things that we're talking about. Uh, but we used to be in the flesh. Under the law, then when we were in the flesh, we didn't bear fruit to God. We bore fruit to death. How do we know we bore fruit to death? Romans 6.23 says, for the wages, is that the right one? The wages of sin is death. That's what sin always leads to is death. Here, Paul is now showing us not just the way of sin, but that the way of the law is no longer for us. We're to die to the law and come alive in the new covenant with Christ and to bear fruit to God through that. It's a matter of our heart that we don't allow our, our heart to get you know, involved in things and sold into things that aren't of God. Salvation is not just, I don't do the things that are evil. That's only half of salvation. The other half is I do the things that are of God and are, and I'm serving the Lord. And I'm not, not I'm just, I'm keeping from sinning, but now I'm serving God and being used in his kingdom. Uh, we're not just saved from, but we're saved to, right? We're saved from the wrath of God, but we're saved to, unto good works, is what the Bible says. So we're supposed to work for the Lord. Verse six, but now, aren't you thankful for those verses that start like that? That means there's been a change, right? But now, uh, those are two powerful words, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, capital Spirit, capital, uh, that's the Holy Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. What's he saying here? We've been delivered from the law. Now, Paul's talking to Jews. You and I, while we've read the Bible and we've read the Old Testament and we have an understanding of the law, we never had to live by that, like the Jews. And so they were bound to it. They lived it until a change came and Christ came 
And now everything is changed. And he's saying, Paul's saying, in summary, you've been delivered from the law. Uh, and because we died with Christ, then we're dead to the law and delivered and delivered from the dominion that it had over us. No, no, they couldn't keep the law, neither, neither can we. The law does not justify us. The law doesn't make us right with God. Doesn't sanctify us. And the law doesn't even make us more holy. Why? Because we can't keep it. What, it. what does it do? It points out what sin is and what sin looks like. It's a ruler for us to show us right from wrong and a guide for us. It, it does have a purpose. There's nothing. But because Paul's saying we're to die to the law doesn't mean that the law of sin it means it's just not for us now. It's We're under a new covenant with Christ, right? Uh, and it had a purpose. It had a purpose historically, and it has a purpose now. We should understand the law. God is holy, and he hasn't changed the law. But thank goodness, thank the Lord, uh, most of all, that we're not held to the standards of the law because we'd all be in trouble. The second part of this verse says, that are that so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The oldness of the letter, the letter said, uh, Don't do any work on the Sabbath. We know that. Jesus got in trouble all the time because he healed people on the Sabbath. But what they were doing was looking at the letter of the law and not the intent of the law. The intent of the law was not that people who were sick would remain sick on the Sabbath. That was not God's intent whatsoever. Matter of fact, he would want them to be free on the Sabbath. I mean, what an awesome day to commemorate the, the Sabbath, right? The letter would say, don't do any work. In other words, and then God, Jesus does. He said to the man, stretch out your hand and you'll be made whole. That's what this verse is saying, is that we're now operating in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. There was, all, there was you know, there's six, I think it's 613 laws that the Jews, let's say, strive to obey. They were impossible. And that wasn't all that they had. That was what was written. There was also an unwritten set of laws that told you how to interpret those 613 laws, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, how do I do that? There was another book that was orally first given, and it said, okay, you can only take this many steps on the Sabbath. You can only do this amount of things. And so... What, what happened was it just became a mess of trying to keep the law. I mean, it was ludicrous, ridiculous. No one could do it. And there were literally lawyers who, that's all they did, was analyze and look at the law to say, well, what does this mean? How, how do we put this into practice? How can we keep it? And they made it even harder for people to follow the law, not easier. It burdened, Jesus said, you burdened the people down. 
to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So we're to operate in the newness of the Spirit. How many knows that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom? That's related to what's saying here. Uh, God didn't come to burden us down. Does that mean we can do anything we want to? No, it's not what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, when you live a Christian life, that frees you up. And you're not bound to sin, you're bound to serve the Lord. And it's not hard to serve the Lord. Jesus said, come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. Uh, we're looking at the contrast between the law and the new covenant with Christ is what Paul is looking at here. The letter of the Lord killeth, yes. So look at Romans 7, 7. Is the law sin? Well, it says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Y'all want to answer that? No. The law is actually good. And it's not sin, but it reveals sin. So it's like a magnifying glass. The Lord said, don't sin. What is sin? Look at the law. You'll see what sin is. Don't covet. Don't uh, covet your neighbor's wife or his property. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't lie. Well, that's because that's the purpose of the law, right? The second half of that, uh, it tells us, no, the law is, you know, that it's, it's good. He says, certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. So I don't even know what sin looks like unless I understand the law. Now, I've got some things. We talked about this way back at the beginning of Romans. My conscience sometimes will tell me what sin is. But it's spelled out in the law what sin is. And he's saying, on the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. Here's Paul saying, it's the measuring rod. That's what the law is, to tell us what sin looks like and what we should be doing and should not be doing. He wouldn't have known sin except for the law. I love this example. It says the law is like an x-ray machine. How many of you ever got you an x-ray? They don't do a whole lot of x-rays anymore. They do MRIs and all kinds of things like that. But the law is like an x-ray machine. It reveals what is there, but it's hidden. And you can't blame an x-ray for what has been exposed. Well, I wouldn't have been. I would have had a broken leg if I hadn't done an x-ray. No, that's wrong. You had a broken leg before. And now you just know about it. So the law is kind of like an x-ray machine. It reveals what is really there. I wouldn't have known covetousness had the uh, law not said you shall not covet. The Bible spells out specifically what sin is. If you read the Old Testament, it even says, you know, you, it has laws in there you wouldn't even imagine. But we get some of our modern-day laws from it. Like, do you know why they come out and measure your yard and tell you where your boundaries are? It's in the Bible. So it's in the Bible. It says, don't go look, remove the landmarks because that's there to tell you whose property is whose. That's why they survey your property and they say, your property starts at this point and goes to this point, and this way, in this direction, and it starts at this point and goes to this point in another direction because it's, our laws have been based upon uh, some of the biblical laws and truths. So, 
Verse 8. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. How do we look at this? How do we break this down? Sin is taking an opportunity by the commandments. In U.S. history, there was a period known as the Prohibition. It was designed to prevent drinking. But what it did was actually increase drinking and the desire to drink and all kinds of bad repercussions from the Prohibition. It made drinking in some ways more attractive to people because we have an innate desire to go beyond the boundaries in our human flesh. Not as a Christian, but in our human flesh. As a matter of fact, I would go, I'd be so bold as to say that sometimes we wouldn't know how to sin if there wasn't a barrier there. Oh, that's that's what sin is? I'll just, just a little bit past it, right? That's what we have a tendency to do in our flesh, not as Christians. Uh, how many knows that if you tell a baby don't go past this little this area, you stay right there. What will happen when you, if you turn around? They go, go past it. My dog at home. He knows what the boundaries are. He's not supposed to come into the kitchen. We've trained him. And when me and my wife are there, he doesn't. But when baby girl is home and she walks into the kitchen and she's loose with the rules with him. Guess what he does? He goes into the kitchen. And then, this means no man's off. It means get back. You don't, you don't, you're not allowed to do that. Even animals have a tendency to do that. I don't, it's like it's innate within animals and humans to go beyond what the boundary, boundaries have, that have been set. That's some way that Sin took an opportunity. That's what it's saying. Sin took an opportunity by the commandments. Uh, that doesn't make the commandments bad. That makes our nature bad. There's nothing wrong. I, I, if you don't get anything else tonight, don't hear this. There's nothing wrong with the law. There's something desperately wrong with us as humans who sin. Our death with Christ or with Jesus sets us free from the law. That's one of the first statements I want to make. We are free so we can be married to Jesus. Our freedom has been given so we can uh, be married to Jesus. We're free from the law so we can be married to Jesus. Uh, under the law, we bore fruit to death. Romans 7, verse 6. When we're in the flesh, we were under the law, our passions were aroused by the law because sometimes we wouldn't have even thought to sin in that way unless the law had spelled it out. Romans 7 verse 6, delivered, we're delivered from the law, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit. Our freedom is given to us so that we can serve God and serve Him better. That's the purpose of the Spirit and of the New Covenant, is to serve God and to serve Him better. Uh, the law didn't help us serve God. 
The law simply pointed out our failures in serving God. But the new covenant will help us serve God. The Spirit will help us serve God and to serve Him better. Is the law sin? No. The law is good because it reveals sin to us. So when we get back to the law, and it's, I was talking about my dog and how he wants to cross the boundary, right? He wants to come in the kitchen. He's not supposed to go there. When God draws a boundary for us, within our human nature, we are enticed to cross that boundary. Can anybody tell me why? I have no idea why, but we just do. Don't we? Just something about drawing a line and saying you shouldn't come past this. We have a tendency to just do it anyway. And hug up next to that, right? And get close and see how close we can get uh, to sin without maybe going beyond it. So here it's saying sin took the opportunity by the commandment the weakness of the law isn't the law, it's our hearts and our ability to be able to follow the law. So in Florida, there's this waterfront hotel in Florida, and the management of the place had a concern that people might try to fish from the balconies. So they put up signs that said, no fishing from the balcony. Big signs, no fishing from the balcony. From that point on, they had constant problems with people fishing from the balconies. They would tie their lines and sinkers, and the weights would come back against the windows and break the windows, and they finally solved the problem. How did they solve the problem? They took the signs down. Then no one even thought to fish from the balconies. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's a true story. It's just the nature of people. They wouldn't have even thought to fish off the balconies had the sign not said. The law, and it's not bad, we are, causes that to happen from our nature. Romans chapter 7, verse 9. Gotta move along a little bit. So I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Children, before they know right from wrong, can be innocent. But when they come to the point of knowing right from wrong, then they're guilty of whatever transaction they, or whatever they've done. So Paul said, I once was alive without the law. But then the law came, and sin revived, and I died in that. So he's describing before he knew right from wrong, there was freedom in that, but now that he knows right from wrong, something within his nature is, and he's going to talk a whole lot about this next week. He talks about, I want to do right. I really want to do right. How many can identify with this? But within me, there's just something that does wrong. And he's not saying as a Christian that, that we should follow that. That's not what he's saying, but he's saying, that, that old nature trying to rise up within us and, and not to want to do right. Verses 10 through 12. And the commandment, which was to bring life, the commandment wasn't meant to do harm or bring death. The commandment was meant to bring life. I found to bring death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me 
and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Here's this sinful nature and the commandment which was to bring life I found to bring death. Let me know that sin promises all kinds of pleasure, all kinds of satisfaction. That's why people have a desire to sin. Looks fun, looks exciting, looks pleasurable. But sin leads to death. Sin will lead us to a place that we really ultimately didn't want to go and it'll keep us there longer than we wanted to stay. It's, it brings death. It, it's, that's the path. Sin deceived him, is what Paul said. It killed him. Therefore, the, the law is holy. Paul is uh, bringing, it, bringing to light here that how that we must die to sin. That's his purpose. We've got to die to sin. That's from Romans 6, 2. We must die to sin. That's what we talked about all last week. We must die to sin. Romans 7, 4 says we must also die to the law. That doesn't mean that Paul believes that sin and the law are the same. They're not. Sin is bad. Sin is evil. Sin, we shouldn't do it. There's nothing wrong with the law. There's something wrong with us, is what Paul is saying. The problem is within us. So what's the purpose and the character of the law? Verse 13, this is the last one we're going to look at. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. What's good? The law. Paul's saying the law's good, so that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. It's interesting, those first few words. So that sin might appear sin. Knows that the enemy doesn't want you to understand what sin is and it to be brought to light to you. The enemy would rather sin hide out in your life. And that's uh, what I'm looking at here in this, is that sin always wants to hide in us. Because if it ever really becomes apparent to us, if we have sin in our life, then we'll understand how bad it is, the depths and the strength of sin in our life. So sin wants to hide out. There is almost no one that will say, I'm a bad person. Those videos that are used to uh, way of the master, what's the first question they ask the people? You think you're a good person? What does everybody say? Oh yeah, I'm a good person. Because Sin hasn't been revealed that they have sin in their life to them. They think, well, I haven't, I haven't killed anybody. But did you hate somebody enough that Jesus would have said, you might as well, I mean, you know, you, you almost come to the point of murder in that. Uh, have you ever lied? Well, a little lie. See, we measure sin, don't we? We measure sin and we say, well, that's just a little sin. But the Lord doesn't do that. Once sin has been revealed in our life, then we have, then there is power through the Lord to get rid of that sin and to take care of that sin. Sin wants, sin wants to hide out uh, and it, it has to be exposed. That's why sinners, the Bible tells us that sinners have been blinded 
to the light. What light? The light of the word, the light of the gospel. Sinners don't see the sin in their life. They, they're, they're, they're blinded. They're walking down their path. They're doing their own thing. They're feeling good. They're not a bad person compared to John. They're not a bad person compared to Sue over here, but they are still sinners. So they, they've been blinded by the enemy, and they don't know right from wrong. Well, at least their sin has hasn't been revealed to them. So, this last statement, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. That's an interesting word. Interesting passage. How can sin become exceedingly sinful? How does it grow? How does it, how does it you know, uh, become worse and worse, right? Here we're looking at how, and how does the law or the commandments help it do that? Sin becomes exceedingly sinful when you begin to compare it and when you begin to contrast it to the law. To me, just trying to give an example, to me, this is a little sin, but compared to the law, this is exceedingly sinful. Because I'm not going to condemn myself, right? I'm going to say I'm, I'm still a good person. And God's standard is perfection. It's his standard. The only way we reach that is through him, through the grace of, uh, of, of what Christ has done for us and when we receive that. But yeah, his standard is totally different than ours. He's, and he says, be holy because I'm holy. And we're like, yeah, how do I do that? Well, we don't unless we have Christ and, uh, and him living in us. So, so when we compare it to the law or contrast it to the law, it becomes exceedingly sinful. But also, because of what we've been talking about tonight, uh, it becomes exceedingly sinful because the law provokes its evil nature. The law says, here's what you shouldn't do. And it's almost like saying, I dare you. Dare you. Provokes you to sin. Cross the law. Now, that's not what God intended for it to do. That has to do with our human will and nature to do that. That intended for the law to show us that we need him and that we need a savior. The law, I like, I love this little quote, the law is like a magnet that draws out of us all kinds of sin and corruption. The magnet doesn't draw out things that weren't already there. Uh, so that's that's the the reason why uh, this particular commentary that I was reading says it's like the law is like a magnet, draws out of us all kinds of sin and corruption. So that takes us through verse 13. Let's go through these questions. Just fill in the blank here. Our what? Our death with Jesus sets us free from the law. So it's that picture of of baptism. Our death with Christ, our death with Jesus sets us free from the law. Number two, we are free from the law so we can be married to Jesus. Number three, under the law, we bear fruit to death. Four, our freedom was given so that we can serve God better. Five, the law is good because it reveals sin to us. Question six, 
Once God draws a boundary for us, we're immediately enticed or drawn, however you want to say that, to cross that boundary. Fill in the blank at number seven. Sin falsely promises satisfaction or fun or excitement, you know, all those things that we talked about. According to Romans 6.2, we must die to sin. According to Romans 7.4, we must die to the law. Uh, number 10, sin always wants to hide in us. Uh, number 11, name two ways that sin becomes more sinful or exceedingly sinful, however uh, your, your text may say there. First thing is that when we contrast it to the law, it becomes evident that it's very sinful. And then number two is because the law actually provokes us to sin and brings out our evil nature, really, that's in essence. 